Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We all screw up every day. And if you're going to just spend time outlining every infraction in your outline, that's not going to be helpful. So if you, in a secure way of relating, before you go, go, what is my ask? What did I feel? Being self-aware, what did that impact? Why? And what do I want to say about it? But here's the other key is, how does this relate to the other person? If for whatever reason, my complaint is something and I haven't considered how the other person relates in this way whether they're maybe more socially anxious and so why they were there, they were more ignoring you. And you're just like, you were ignoring me and I'm all about my feelings. I'm not going, oh, how does this other person relate socially? So there's this way of thinking about it. I'm not suggesting overthinking about it, but A, think what is your ask? And in that ask, can you incorporate what you know of the person that you're relating to? So that when you sit down, you're not ready just to discuss the infractions. You're really connected. Welcome to Therapist Uncensored. Building on decades of professional experience, this podcast tackles neurobiology, modern attachment, and more in an honest way that's helpful in healing humans. Your session begins now with Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. Hey, everyone. I'm Ann Kelly. And I'm Sue Marriott. And before we jump in, if you find this information really helpful to you or those that you love. Or if you refer people to it. Absolutely. We want to continue to bring this information to you guys for free. Information about security spread far and wide. And you can really be part of that by joining our Super Neuro Nerd community, our exclusive community that helps to support this show. It allows us to bring sponsors on, by the way, and give much of those proceeds to help those who are underserved in mental health. And that's one of our goals of our podcast is to get this information out to those and to provide direct care for those who might be able to seek therapy who might not otherwise. So jump on and go to therapist uncensored slash join and become a super nerd nerd and join our community. And by the way, you'll get ad-free listening by doing that and other great perks for doing it. All right, well, let's jump into today's episode. Yeah, so today we are going to, again, I, I do love, Anne, the idea of us uh, continuing to make this free to the public. And this is why, is because we are promoting the idea of secure relating, which doesn't have anything in the world necessarily. It's related, but like you don't have to have secure attachments. You don't have to have a secure inner working model. You don't have to have years of therapy under your belt. This is something that anybody from anywhere, from no matter what your history is, can begin to learn some skills to relate more securely to yourself and to other people. So we're going to say more about that today and distinguish between the idea of secure attachment and secure relating. That's a great question. So people go, well, if I don't have secure attachment, how am I ever going to kind of relate in a way that feels secure. And I love the distinction between those two. They're not the same thing. Let's remind those for longtime listeners, you've heard us talk a lot about secure attachment. If you're new to us, 
what we mean by secure attachment and how one's internal model set from infancy through early childhood and how our internal sense of self and others and how we relate to the world is what we mean by secure attachment. Yeah, that's right. So on this podcast, we've really drawn together all of the research and, and, tra- and translated. Again, we're not neuroscientists, but we are good translators. <laughs> and we've translated really what attachment is, is a biological manifestation of neural connections and of that very early, these are fancy words, but you know that very early parent-child biosynchronization. <laughs> but that really is what it is. So then later, it shows up in behaviors that we call attachment patterns. And those show up very, very early on. And these attachment patterns are not set in stone by any stretch. So that, for example, if your biology has laid down the expectation that people are not going to be there for you, then you don't look towards people. So then you go to school and you're not looking for help. And so basically it sets up a trajectory where that these beliefs that, again, are in our actual nervous system begin to play themselves out and can, again, set up the trajectory for more of that going forward. Yeah, that's a great description. And we just finished doing a series kind of relatedly about deconstructing your own defenses. And that's part of what we're related to. Our defenses develop based on the neural wiring from our early attachment, what we feel threatened by, how we engage that might threaten others, So that series was kind of setting us up for today in that we want you to understand secure attachment does get wired, just like you were saying, Sue, and it's part of our wiring. But the fantastic news is that can change throughout adulthood. It's not like you get what you get. You don't throw a fit. But one of the best ways to shift it is by learning how to relate in a secure way. So that's what we're calling secure relating. So today we want to talk to you about what is secure relating and knowing that Two things. Everybody can do secure relating. You can have a very insecure history that led to preoccupied or dismissive or avoidant kind of relating or maybe even disorganized, but you can learn to relate in your relationships in a really secure way. It takes time. It takes practice. You can also be in a very secure person with a secure attachment and really do insecure relating and not engage. Sometimes we all lose sight of what secure relating is. Not me, ever, ever, ever. Ever, ever, ever. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't identify as securely attached naturally, so (laughs) I always have that to go back to. (laughs) So the idea of secure relating, you know, it's not one thing that basically, again, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we've put attachment on a spectrum, the middle where you're kind of a balance of thinking and feeling is what we're calling the green zone there's a lot more detail in it that you guys can listen to other shows to get that. But that secure relating starts with being grounded and aware and not in your defensive system yourself. So we really like to think in terms of what is our relationship to ourselves. And if you think about some of the automatic thoughts that happen, it can be pretty ugly in there. Absolutely. <laughs> At least in my brain. <laughs> Especially when we are not in the most insecure place and that way if we are in a place where we're super, super angry or really disconnected. One of the things we've been talking about a great deal that relates to this is are you in your secure connecting space or are you in more your defensive protective? 
And so by being able to recognize that distinction, that can make one of the biggest differences in your life. Right. And so we broke that down in the uh, series about what parts of your anatomy, what parts of your brain, and what chemicals even are flowing in each circuit. So again, we won't repeat that now for <laughs> to, to spare some of you, but it's all right there. Just go to the series. So we're going to pick up Assuming that you all know, you know, that the secure relating has to do with our ventral vagal, with our using our whole mind. Uh, if you do whole brain living, you know, it's, it's whole brain connection. It is uh, our prefrontal cortex, our orbifrontal cortex. It's, it's oxytocin rich. It's flexible. You know, usually the stakes feel low is one way I describe it. You know, it's like, well, I could say that, but I don't have to, or I could go get that right now or make that point. But it'd be okay for me to wait. That's usually a really good sign. Or like, well, I think this is true, but it could not be true. Questioning yourself, having curiosity. Exactly. Being able to reflect and wonder is a sign that we've got all of our circuits beautifully lit up and that we're in this stable, grounded, secure, internal place. How does it feel for you when you, like, what are some of your tells? One of my big tell that I'm in a secure place is I'm not in a hurry. I'm not rushing. Yeah. Oh God, me I'm too. not feeling impatient. You know, that's a good sign. But the other way, sometimes it can be confusing for me whether I'm in a secure place or a more disconnected place because sometimes I'm not rushing and I'm just fine, right? But a little it, too fine. A little too fine because I'm actually a little disconnected. If engaged in a fight and I've moved away and I'm just feeling some fine and I'm not actually thinking about the other person. And I'm only in my own world and have just moved on. Yeah. So. Self-satisfied. So yeah, I think the biggest sign, and I think as you said that, nobody lives there. I don't care what kind of secure attachment you have out there. Please believe me that you do not live in a secure place of relating because we're human. We get threatened. We still all have our history. Even if you have secure attachment, you have a history in you that has a narrative that has generated insecure spots in you avenues of threat because of one part of your history or the other or what's developed in your relationship. So no one lives there. That's the good news, right? And finding your way back there. You mentioned the spectrum. If we talk about attachment as an internal working model, it's kind of where do we live? But what we're talking about right now in secure relating is where are we at the moment? Not where do we live, but are we in a secure way of relating in that moment? And giving some tricks to kind of figure out where that is, where we are on the continuum, and then go, okay, I know I can get myself back to a more secure place of relating. And the biggest sign, I think, of secure relating is I'm still in touch with myself, but I care about you, right? When I'm in an insecure place or I'm in not secure relating, I might be really pissed off and all I'm caring about is my point of view, my perspective. I'm positive I'm right, and that's all there is to it. And I'm coming after you because I know you're wrong. But the truth is you just don't see it. If I talk a little bit more and I get more clarity for you, and once you see I'm right, then we're going to be in a secure place. So if I just hammer my point and you have your great insights and start agreeing with me, then we're going to get to a secure place. And that's a really hard place to overcome because you can be super convinced I actually am in a secure place. I'm just trying to help you, dysregulated one, 
get the point so that you come and join me in my secure place. Right. So secure relating then would be if I am able to hold my hat, my prefrontal cortex hat on, if I can kind of keep that on, even though Anne is coming at me trying to convince me of her position, we're still fine, right? Like this isn't, doesn't mean that we're relating insecurely. It just means she's gotten a little dysregulated my job is to hold my regulation and see that she's got some urgency and then to respond with my kind of whole self, with my wise mind and give her something to help her nervous system be able to cool off a little bit, right? Like that's still secure relating just in this one example, because believe me, it would be very easy to flip this example and you're in the secure place and I'm not. But my point here is simply that just because somebody gets dysregulated doesn't necessarily mean that we've bounced out of secure relating. Like the definition of secure relating, it's very fluid. Again, it's kind, it's inclusive, it's mutual, there's shared power. I can use my nervous system and my calm to draw in back into a little bit more of a sense of calm of like, so if I'm responding something like, I'm definitely not getting something that you're saying, say it again. Like I really want to understand. If I were able to do that, then I would relax. Right. You could feel it right then, right? Like, no, I really want to hear there's something. It's like I'm trusting there's a fire inside of her for a reason. And so there's a symptom happening, which might be the rush and the kind of the preoccupation or the pressure. But I'm going to interpret that when I have my hat on, my prefrontal hat is tight, <laughs> then I'm going to try to help get to that urgency and like really kind of take care of the, basically what's happening is she's got this little cluster of cells that are fired up and feeling threatened. And so I am going to use my wiser mind in that moment. By wise, I just mean kind of in, I'm in a more grounded, secure place to address those cells that are saying, no, 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 you have to get this. You have to get this. You have to get this. You're not getting this. So that would still be an example of secure relating. If I'm able to kind of catch you, help use my nervous system to bring you into kind of a more calm nervous system state, it wouldn't be the time, for example... <laughs> for me to make my points, which I'm laughing because of course I always do because I don't live in secure functioning. In, re in real life, it would probably be like, I might catch pretty well, but then I really want to follow it up very quickly with, yeah, but <laughs> I do that because that, 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 or whatever the thing is. So what I love about this definition that we're putting out there about secure relating is it's very robust and flexible and forgiving because the whole reason for that is because remember, we're relating to ourselves. And if we're catching ourselves and saying like, oh no, you know, Anne's lost her, her, her prefrontal hat. So now we're off the rails, right? So the story that I'm telling about it is part of keeping me online. So this is why the story that we're telling you now, you listener, about secure relating is, again, that it's forgiving, it's flexible, it's mutually impacted. It's not like one thing. Like, it's, it's a system, basically. Think of it as like a system, a flow those are the kinds of words that we're promoting secure relating. And then that way, like let's say you have trauma, you can be securely relating at any moment, even with disorganized pockets of trauma. That's fine. And as a matter of fact, the more that we can help you securely relate to the parts of you that get insecure or get defensive or get hard edged and prickly, <laughs> we're still growing secure relating. Like that's part of it. That's a wonderful description of how you sort of can relate to knowing that you're insecure relating. But I love what you said in there. Like my real response isn't always going to be kind and mutual and caring, right? And yeah, it's I'm human. going to be activated. 
so one of the goals is like, how do we bring ourselves? Because we've talked a lot about co-regulation and co-dysregulation, right? So when I think I'm regulated and I'm acting this way and I'm like helping you get my point, it's very challenging to stay in a kind, regulated place. And it's challenging for everyone. And so some, let's talk about some of the tricks to get there in terms of, okay, so it's kind and it's mutual. But if I've activated you through my little self-righteous rant, or even worse, I'm being a little bit more clever and I'm being self-righteous, but I'm not, but I, I think I'm regulated, right? So I'm more determined when I, when yeah, that's therapists can fight very sophisticated. Oh yeah, yeah. That's so true. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so I'm super articulate, but you can see my hands moving, right? Oh and yeah. Can, that's so that's one of, one of the signs. For sure. Right. That's one of the signs. I might be sounding really damn good, but my hands are moving and my eyes are communicating intensity. Again, I love what you said earlier. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm a completely insecure relating because if I'm still, even though I'm elevated, if I'm still aware of you and I'm still aware that you're listening and I haven't completely disconnected, I could still be in the secure relating zone. I might be heading towards that more red and I'm going to be activating you and dysregulating you likely. So what are the steps right then that you can rely on in your back pocket to remind yourself? There's two things that come to my mind. One is just the idea of a threshold. And this was from conversations I had with Jill Bolte-Taylor, who is, that's a whole other big subject, very interesting, but she's a neuroanatomist. And she talks about like a pressure that builds up in a cell until then it turns and it fires. So it has a threshold after which it gets enough energy and it fires and it shoots to the other cell. And then you times that by a million or something. And then now you're in your amygdala. And so you're feeling like to me, just the idea of a threshold. It's like, I want to keep Anne. I appreciate you offering yourself up in this situation <laughs> as the, as the hot one here. Cause that's, Obviously, not always true. <laughs> I wouldn't even give you fifty percent, probably. But um, but it is absolutely true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a red. I'm a redhead. I get a little uh, <laughs> color. But the idea of a threshold, and so instead of me seeing this as black or white, she's in security or she's not in security. Um, again, we just keep talking about things like gradation and spectrum because I'm gonna. I want to see her as she has energy, but. We still have a threshold there that she's still, so even if she's not immediately responsive to my kindness or to my pause or to my breath, I'm still going to like, I'm aware that she's actually still, it takes a minute, takes a while actually. Her nervous system, her neuroception is still picking up safety. So now she's in a little bit more conflict internally where that there's some signals of safety and then there's some signals that are still threatened because that takes a little while to turn off. And so instead of me, if, if she doesn't respond quickly to my kindness, I can imagine probably not too long ago, I would then get frustrated, you know, then now I'm, I've jumped up a little bit. So how do you recognize when you've jumped up? All right. So let's just go with it. You have jumped up. Okay. So you've jumped well, before, up. Because but before we jump, is it okay? Because I want to still talk about if we can. Is this all right? Yeah, sure. Go for it. The pre-part is we want people to begin to get interested in that. For too. sure. And, and yes, I do want to get to the to the jump up part, but I'm just saying what has been helpful to me, right? Is that like, cause sometimes like, let's say if I'm upset, like, it's not always just you and I, right? I mean, we, Kids, we give a lot of examples. Yeah. We yeah. give a lot of examples of our 
stuff just to be human, but like something else, let's just say, just so it's not just us, but that is beginning to get me upset. I have actually found a lot of value with this idea of that I can recognize the upset and resource myself with my whole brain, with my whole mind, with my wise mind, with turning to Anne, turning to close people, turning to therapist, turning to whoever that in my assessment at that time will be, will help me be able to stay under that threshold. And so I want to keep working as long as possible. And I want to actually expand that space because that's really what we call it, you know, like you've heard of widen the window, things like that. That is actually the work of like widening before that I flip my hat off, my prefrontal hat off, but being very, very stressed. So to me, it's like really pressing, like where I'm pressing up on the edge, but I haven't gone over the edge. And then being able to pull myself back down is just in and of itself super valuable. So one of the things you're saying, I mean, we're talking about elements of mentalization, right? But one of the things I think I hear you saying is there's almost a visualization for you, or maybe I'm projecting because I kind of do that, but a visualization of like, oh, I'm pressing up against something. And it kind of then gives you an awareness of yourself rather than just focusing on me. It'd be easy to focus on me and how I'm being and what an ass I'm being. But what I think I hear you saying is how do you stay in your own tolerance? And one of the ways you're doing it is by increasing your awareness of I'm feeling the pressure, I'm right there, and then you're aware of me being right there. And it sounds like visualization, sort of imagining the idea of a tolerance and where you are and where I am. You're describing the mentalization, basically, of what's happening between us. And believe me, everybody can do this. It's not just therapists that are going to be able to do this. It's like the idea of, okay, I'm going to get above what's happening and look into it and see myself and see the other that awareness in of itself is going to help you keep in the window. Is that part of what you're saying? Yeah, it is. But also you say, it's interesting because I do think, and for you, I don't like for me, it's not an actual, like actual picture visualization, but I bet for a lot of people it might be. And whatever it is, see what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep it symbolized. So if you can have a picture of like, oh, I'm at a, or, you know, even like a thermometer or something, it's like, oh, I'm at a seven, you know, that's actually quite helpful. For me, the way I experience it, it's almost more of like a heat map. And what I try to do, so my heat map, if the more hot I am, you know what I mean? It's kind of in my front. It makes me active. It makes me want to do something. It's more urgent. And so I actually literally try to feel my back. And that back gives me the strength. It gives me pause. Another thing that I can heat map sometimes is when I feel my like lower limbic, lower left, you know, firing like I literally will try to heat map myself over to my right side. And what I'm looking for is a softening. Like I'm trying to find my heart. I'm trying to feel my heart, like my connections to other people, my connections to myself. So it's, I guess it sort of is a visualization, but it feels more kinesthetic. It feels more full body. Something I'm, yeah. something I'm doing inside my body, which matches that this, we really are talking about manipulating biology let's jump into that because you mentioned just for those that haven't heard that you're talking about left limb, but moving to the right. So you're talking about the more activated young memory spaces that might start to feel threatened. And then you're aware of that. You're saying you're aware of that. And then you're trying to move the energy, literally what I hear you saying that the heat of it over to the right side, that is more relational, more we, more present rather than less triggery in your history. Exactly. And it's, yeah, so it's a heat map that pulls me back, 
which is kind of the pause and the, I can feel my strength there. It's like, I don't have to rush. And then also I try to move it right, which again is where the kindness, the connection, the urgency is lower. I can then like see somebody upset with love versus just literally like they're upset. So I'm upset and there's no boundary there, which can also happen, obviously. So you're kind of remembering it kind of coming back to yourself of the right to right brain, which we talk about that, that connection is in the right to right brain. And what I love about, I have never heard you describe the moving to the back, but as you do it, the one thing I'm thinking of for those that can struggle with when they're activated, kind of going, you know, really far on your left up logical, rational side, like it's very easy to then for anybody getting into some element of conflict to get into your rational, logical side. Oh yeah. That's my auto, auto space. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love what you're saying. So instead of getting more and more rational by imagining the going further back, you're kind of moving yourself out of that left rational, justified self-righteous place. And, and then your visual, you know, kind of feeling the warmth of the back, right. That's going to feel more connecting. And it's just that reminder to yourself helps you stay more present, more mutual in any kind of situation like that. Is that accurate? Is that what you're saying? I think you're saying it beautifully. And because one of the problems is that when we're in our upper left, we're more competitive. It's more about ourselves. It's our point. You know what I mean? And so we can really make a great argument that the other person is ridiculous. (laughs) Like it's a very comfortable space for many of us. So it's almost like it's cool. It's much more cool. You know, so this is, I like you said, warming it up and warming it over. And one other thing you, as far as just examples is like, I kind of like the idea of the, like the hand on the heart and like wherever you're listening from right now, you might try this for just one second is if you put your hand on your heart and notice if it's your right hand or your left hand, it feels a little different for me. It feels best with my right hand over my heart. You're going to do it with me Anne. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If we're going to ask them to do it. And then it's like, as you feel your heartbeat, it's just like, yeah, see there, you're human. Just thinking, yep, I'm this human body, like I'm human. And then to me, that gives me space, you know, like it just, I'm just human. Like I don't have to know, I don't have to understand, I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to fix this. I'm just sort of this toddler bouncing around in the world, you know, So that's one of my things. Uh, What about you? I love that. I think I do. When I initially said that, I think I do do a little bit more. I I have visualizations that help me. And I think some of the the things I can do with the visualizations is I'm in the cot in the moment and let's consume them in, in your position in that example. But I think where maybe I'm experiencing somebody that I'm starting to get dysregulated by, or I could feel myself jumping in and I can feel that urgency forward or my desire to flee. One of the things I do to keep in a more secure relating place is I visualize ahead, whatever person I'm engaging with, I'm going to visualize them at a future time when we're more connected and relating and discussing about this. And it literally pulls me out of the moment And then I can visualize this idea of expressing care and I can visualize myself doing that. And that really, really helps me. And the other thing is also a reminder. It's so easy. So one of the signs that we're leaning towards that, that more defensive kind of protective posture is it does because me, 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 right? 
the more defensive I've been, the more I'm about me, or unless I'm saying it's about you because you is what's messing me over. Right. right? Which is still a me. Yeah. Which is still a me. Right. So I think I start imagining the we, you know, like, okay, we need to get through this in a better way. And I know we're talking a lot about conflict. I want to talk about secure relating just in general, but in conflict or in a charged situation, if I could remember the we, and I literally will sometimes visualize that, like, okay, we both are struggling. So one of the elements of getting insecure relating is one, I love what you were saying, we get out of that competitive head. And the competitive head is out of fear, right? If I see the point, then I'm going to lose whatever that point was representing. I start to recognize I don't have to accomplish everything at once. Because for me, I tend to want to accomplish everything. It's like, okay, not only this and this and this and this. And so the, the idea of I don't have to accomplish everything at once kind of slows me down. And then visualizing the we, like what do we both need in this? And then I stop to think, okay, I need something and so does the other person. And if I stop to actually imagine that we both need something, just that, that imagination that this is happening because somebody else needs something and I need something. Somebody's feeling threatened and I'm feeling threatened. Somehow I'm not so alone and I'm reminding myself of my own vulnerability, but also of the other person's. And a sign of secure relating is remembering the other person and yourself. And then a big one is reminding myself we're co-regulating. So if I'm reminding myself, oh my God, we are co-regulating. This is just not someone else making me mad or me screwing up. It helps engage my own ownership of the process. I'd like to say, okay, wait, we're co-regulating each other. And that can really help me back into a more secure way of window of tolerance. That's great. I really love that. And I love, so one of the things you're describing is imagining future. So I love that because what that means, it means that you're, it's like you're firing up your hippocampus <laughs> to get out of the moment because the amygdala wants to just be like right here, right now, no, nah, 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 threat. So just even, even intentionally, like we haven't always been here going to the past. We're not always going to be here going to the future. That's your hippocampus that's now helping fire up your prefrontal cortex, which is great. So I love that as a technique. And then you said something else that I wanted to highlight too about just a very common pattern of that thing of where that it's like, and this, and this, and this, and this. So another secure relating would be exactly that, which is that people can't hear essays or even paragraphs. So if you are somebody that speaks in essays or paragraphs, this is just directed for you right now, which is that what you have to say is extremely important and your loved person across from you, whoever that is, child, whoever it is, loves you and wants to hear your message. So the more that you're able to bring your message into bullet points or it's like taking yourself even more seriously, you know what I mean? That like, I do have something to say and it's this and this, you know, the person's going to have a much greater chance of catching the ball and of being able to understand what you're saying and not getting worn down, you know, all of those things. So, you know, we talk about it from both sides. You know, the other side is like, begin to say more. Sometimes we just are monosyllabic. <laughs> if you tend to go that direction, secure relating will look like saying more, being a little more transparent about what's happening inside, be getting more curious about what's happening inside, getting more curious about how the other person is doing all this lovely stuff you just said. 
And then, you know, if we're upregulating, it's that speed and that, like the solution is the person out there. And the more that we're focused on trying to get that person out there to do something or to hear something or understand something, that's just a sign of that we're upregulated a little bit. So if you're somebody that tends to go up that way, it's almost like what I would want to say is like, I want to hear. I want to know these things that are in your heart that you're trying to get out, but I need less words. And I, I hope that, that, does that sound rude when I say it that way? No, I think it actually, especially if it's said, I think it depends. And here's an insecure way of relating that exact comment, at least through my perspective, and a more secure way of relating. And that is, you're being too much. You're saying too much. You're too much. You know, blah, blah, blah. You're like where I'm looking at you and or whomever might be using paragraphs and I become extremely dismissive. You know, you're too much, you're too sensitive, you're too this, you're too this. Stop, I've heard enough. Where the goal is to shut the other person down. I love what you just said. And that is, I can only hear so I'm taking in. I want to hear. I want I really to hear. want to hear. Yeah. So I think saying a few a few notes is gonna help me be more successful. And then and I, one of the things that I think is a really helpful technique when I can remember to use it is the word bookmark because that helps. It's like, okay, like here it is. Like you said this and this and this, I think I might be at my limit. So if I'm somebody that just overwhelms and I want to shut down and push away to say, Hey, I'm at my limit. I think I, and I think that for me, if I take a break, I will be more effective in listening to you later. Like if I'm owning it, Instead of you being too much, I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling my own level of saturation. And of course, you know, we're talking a lot about, I started with the whole pressure to go towards. There's also the pressure to run. Like I don't want conflict, so I want to move away. And so there might be a lot of communications that I'm having to shut the whole thing down. And so to recognize that is, am I still interested that this person has something important to say? Am I communicating it? Because secure relating is you beautifully outlined earlier, is about mutuality. And you can know that you're not in a secure place if you really lose touch with mutuality. If you really lose touch with your goal is to shut it down, get it off, get away, let the person know they're too much. That may be what you're feeling. And there's, I'm not even trying to judge anybody. We all can get there. It's just recognize. And one of the things you can beautifully say is, I'm not in my most effective yeah, place right I'm now. I'm full. Right. I'm, I'm full. full. And it's not because you're too much. It's just, you know, I only have, like, I will come back. Yeah. And, and if somebody tells you they're full, what is the only appropriate thing to say? Because <laughs> a lot of times if you're trying to tell somebody that's upregulated that you're full, it's like, because they can feel the ending coming. And so that can be threatening. But if somebody tells you that you're full, then what you want to say is like, okay, like, thank you. Anything that you say after that is not going to go in. Right. So, no matter what. No matter, no matter what, what. No matter, so don't even try if to it's shove fair. something in. Don't stick it in, <laughs> right? Like just keep your hands in your pockets. They're saying they're full. Believe them. You know, they've reached capacity, which is another reason why when you come back around and talk again, everybody has capacity, just this limited capacity. If you think about everything we know about learning, you only walk away, a whole class, you walk away with two or three points. So speaking in bullet points or whatever increases your power and it can be then like a chorus that you're saying all the time. Like, I need you to think more about me. Something like that. That could be a, that's a big bullet point. But 
if somebody is with somebody that is kind of a little bit more self-oriented and more involved with themselves. And the thing that you're saying is like, I need to see me exist in your mind and in your heart. Like I, I need more of you to hold me in your thoughts. Like that's short, but impactful. And that's what we want you to find is what is your short, but impactful real need that you want to be putting out there for them to walk away and be like, what is she talking about that? I don't think of her. It's something they can sink their teeth in. I love that. And one way to think about secure relating, we keep kind of talking about it as when we're in the middle of it. Another way is I've got something important to tell somebody and I really want to. And how I prepare myself for that conversation is a huge part of secure relating. Could do a whole podcast on preparing yourself to help me because as you're doing that, right? Secure relating is not just about why I'm in moment with somebody else. Secure relating is how am I relating to myself as I'm in the relationship with So how would other... you prepare? So one of the ways, I love what you were just saying about the bookmark. I mean, I'm sorry, not the bookmark. I love what I was saying about the bookmark. <laughs> what I, <laughs> You're brilliant. You, yes, <laughs> what you were saying right there, and that is the bullet points. So if you have something really important to say and you really want to talk about it, we sometimes rush to do it or we rush to avoid it. So watch both of those sides. Because if I have something that's really bothering me and I'm doing nothing but avoiding it and building resentment, I am not in a secure place. Do not sit in, at least I'm the one avoiding conflict. But also if I am feeling something and I rush in without a little bit of awareness of what I'm saying in the other person, but I, getting back to the bullet points, what is important? Because if I'm coming, if you're, well, if anybody, if you're walking with all the examples to your point, but you don't know exactly what the point is. You know the infraction is somebody did A, B, C, D, and then they did E, and then they did F. Yeah, what's your ask? But if you don't know what the ask is, right? Because we all screw up every day. And if you're going to just spend time outlining every infraction in your outline, that's not going to be helpful. So if you, in a secure way of relating, before you go, go, what is my ask? What did I feel? Being self-aware, what did that impact? Why? And what do I want to say about it? But here's the other key is, how does this relate to the other person? If for whatever reason my complaint is something and I haven't considered how the other person relates in this way, whether they're maybe more socially anxious and so why they were there, they were more ignoring you. And you're just like, you were ignoring me and I'm all about my feelings. I'm not going, oh, how does this other person relate socially? So there's this way of thinking about it. I'm not suggesting overthinking about it, but A, think what is your ask? And in that ask, can you incorporate what you know of the person that you're relating to? So that when you sit down, you're not ready just to discuss the infractions. You're really connected. Well, I love that because part of what you're, it, you're going to be more effective. Yes, Because absolutely. by having one arm around the back of the person that you're going to talk to, but also one arm kind of on, you know, metaphorically on your own heart of like, this does matter and I'm going to say what right. I need to say, then you're protecting their little nervous system you don't just hit the back of their brain and now it's, you can say whatever and it's not going to go in. It's just, we don't, we can't learn yeah. when our hippocampus is offline. So what you're really doing by soft starts, Gottman talks a lot about soft starts, like do positive interpretations. You probably did that because, and you think of something, the best scenario, even if you're making it up and you're kind of boosting them up a little bit, that that actually helps because it's face saving for the other person. And they're really hearing the point, which is like, don't be a jerk or whatever the actual point is in there. So that's a great example of co-regulation, what you're saying about thinking of the other person, preparing what you have to say, knowing what your ask is instead of just a list of 
complaints is a good one. And that's kind of hard to do. I think the core of our message today, though, is to you know think about secure relating as a process, as an active, organic thing, not something that like I, I am secure, I'm insecure, but that I can create a secure way of relating and how I engage. We're not trying to promote an insecure where you're thinking about what you're doing constantly. And it can sound like that. So some of the core is to be in a secure way. Am I aware of myself and my body? And am I aware of the other person? Do I hold value in myself? And do I hold value in the other person? You mentioned a lot about being kind. And I think that's huge. That doesn't mean that in the moment, we're only acting in a kind way. I mean, we can be angry and go, but we're owning it. Like I am in a place, I need you just to hear me. And I am like, it doesn't mean that we're not kind, but it means that we might still be upset, but I can be upset and I can hold you. So you know, if you can't hold both sides of that equation, both in value and trust, then you're not an insecure, you're in a secure way of relating. So recognize it, take some breaks, take that 20 seconds, walk away and go, I need to go find my better self and tell yourself and the other person that I need to go find my better self. I am not in my good self. And I, I, would, I would love, I would love to hear that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like I'm just thinking in the middle of it, like that's not a bad thing to say to, to, right. to get your break. Now, the other thing that you're saying, Anne, that I really like is this coexistence of complex feelings and secure relating people that if you've been in long-term relationships, you will recognize this. Uh, Michelle Obama said it actually. So who I think has at least looks like such a secure, beautiful relationship, but she talks about recognizing marital hate and that having extremely negative feelings for people close to you, like that can be included in secure relating, especially when you are aware that it's hard to be in a close relationship with a human being. You're going to get hurt. Like it's, you know, the choices are you can love and lose <laughs> or not love, right? So it's going to hurt to be close and to be intimate. And there's all the benefits of it. I really I like that. You and I yeah. both have these scratchy throats. I know. Probably. So, so I just wanted to bring to the with this us. idea, this idea of holding the ambivalence and being able to feel the complexity of the feelings that that's also what we mean by secure relating. And so again, if you notice this isn't about anybody's history. This isn't about an attachment pattern. This isn't about being happy, a happy marriage or not a happy marriage or a whatever the dyad is, like boss, employee, whatever it is. It's about doing your side of the street, just your side of the street, because that's all we can do, and kind of really bellying up and doing it in the best way possible. And that will typically change the dance, no matter if the other person is doing work or not. Something's going to change. And that's what you're interested in. And so focusing on you earlier, and you said the thing of looking inward first, that is a really great, like, if we can train our brains to do the x-ray and notice ourselves first versus, you know, like recognizing anger on someone else's face and like they're so they're being unfair, you know, our old brain is going to want to go out and it's going to want to see what's wrong in the environment. The new, more secure relating brain is going to also do that. It's not like we're going to be stupid, <laughs> but we're going to realize that we just, we get dumb when we get activated. And so the more, and I mean that, and that the smart thinking complex part of our minds begin to shut down and we just go into old protection. So just that notion of being able to hold complexity, but I can love you and be mad at you 
and like feeling both of those things makes the stakes low. Yes, is a conf- conflict we're having, but it's not the end. I love that. Really well stated. Yeah. Right. But if and the stakes are high, like mm-hmm. if I don't get this out, if you don't understand this the second, right now we're amping it up and that's not going to make your nervous system feel any better to be able to learn what the heck I'm trying to say. And I think one of the points to that is some of that pressure and like, ah, uh, like has to do, or the, even the desire to flee, both of those can be around assumptions that we're making. And one of the assumptions that I think we make, at least especially in some of the more Western way of thinking, I think other areas sometimes do a little bit better job of this than us, is the belief that everything should be going well and feel good. And when it's not, like we should be in harmony. And if we're in disharmony, it's really bad. So I want to flip that on its head. Disharmony exists. In fact, it can exist up to like even 70% of the time not being in connection. It's not about the disharmony. It's about the repair and it's about the reconnection. So if we believe disharmony means that we're not having a secure relationship or secure way of relating, that actually isn't true. And to just throw that out and that being in disharmony is part of human relating, that helps you from, I've got to do the paragraph and get it all down because we got to get this, you know, all in harmony or something's really sucking. Absolutely relax. Like disharmony we go through equilibrium, disequilibrium, back to equilibrium. We go from harmony to disharmony to repair. Where we stay in disharmony is we're not doing the kind of reconnection in the memory of the other person. So repair is a big part of secure relating. And that's being able to do some of the things we're talking about, but being able to come back and repair and care. And I think that takes a little bit, I think our point here is it takes a little bit of the panic out. Is like, I can do this. I can repair. I don't have to do it right this second. I think that's great. But with the notion of slowing things down, we're making a slight assumption that everything's okay and the love is there and that these relationships are generally positive. This works even when, let's say you're with somebody that isn't doing their side of the street. The more that you're focusing and feeling what you're feeling, you're going to feel your loneliness or you're going to feel their coolness or their meanness Or like, this still works in the sense that care about yourself. And it's like, is, are you getting what you need? And by stopping the relentless hope of trying to get the person to give it to you and just feeling your side of things, this is actually information that's going to be really helpful to you around the state of your relationship. And that can sometimes really change things when you stop chasing that person to give you the thing. That's actually sometimes what can wake somebody up. It's like, okay, no, you've hit your limit. And you're going to now begin to detach a little bit and take care of yourself so that you can sort out your feelings and what about this relationship. So yeah, that was the part that I wanted to just get in for those of you that might be scared to do this. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And if you find this information helpful, one of the things you could do for us besides going and visiting our sponsors, that would be a big help. But another thing is to take the time to send this forward to somebody else you think would find it helpful and rate and review us. That helps other people find us. So taking that moment to get out there and rate and review us really helps support the podcast. Yeah. The rating and reviews are really huge. Uh, yeah, so really we, appre- oh, and by the way, somebody, uh, somebody gave us a five-star rating. Thank you. But then pointed out that we constantly say backslash join <laughs> or TU backslash whatever and that it was driving them crazy. So the person who wrote that review, we heard you, and I hope that you've heard that we've switched to saying therapistuncensored.com slash join or slash whatever the uh, merch or whatever. That was super helpful. And if you have feedback also. 
Yeah. We read can, every review. Yeah. But the truth is also like, you can also shoot us an email info at therapist uncensored. Or Sue com. at therapist uncensored. Sue at or Anna. Anna. We, um, if you have direct feedback that you want to give us, feel free to, to, to drop that. So anyway, yeah, that was very it's helpful. true. Cause sometimes people will give us a one-star review for some, for random, one item. Yeah. For one thing. I'm like, couldn't you have just let us know you felt that way. <laughs> Cause we do so, care. Like we've been very right. impacted by suggestions that people are make or feedback. It matters. Again, this is a mutual relationship. This is not a one way relationship and that's no. So we care and we want feedback and we're there for it. All right. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you around the bend. Best Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.